You're listening to Cross Section, the podcast of the Summit View Church of Christ. Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord Good morning. Good to be with you today. I'm glad that we can gather to study God's Word. I know uh, we would have more people here uh, if there weren't so much uh, sickness going around uh, today. We have, uh, I know, at least a couple of families home uh, today, uh, uh, likely worshiping with us online, and we're glad that uh, they can be here with us. Welcome to all of you who are with us online this morning. Uh, I was, uh, some of you heard I was sick earlier this week, and I was. Um, I'm doing much better. Uh, now I uh, uh, passed a, uh, a, a home COVID test and a big, you know, one of the, the full-size uh, PCR COVID tests. Both came out negative, so... Uh, so here I am today and, and feeling much better. I appreciate all your prayers. We've been reading through uh, the Bible uh, as a church. Uh, you're under no obligation, but we encourage you to uh, read through the Bible with us. And if, uh, if you haven't, but you've been thinking about it, you can jump in at any time. We would love for you to, to join us. Uh, we just think it's very, very important for us to read God's Word. And we are encouraging the whole church, uh, in whatever way you want to do it, to read from the Bible uh, daily. And I and um, two of my kids uh, and uh, my wife uh, and many of you I know also uh, have committed to reading through the whole Bible this year. So if you're reading along with us this year on the, uh, the schedule that you find in the bulletin and, and on the uh, full uh, year-long uh, schedule that you can find on the church's website, uh, you'll notice that this week we came into uh, the end of the book of Genesis uh, and the stories about uh, Joseph uh, and how things turned out for him and for Jacob's family leading right up to the Exodus. Uh, and we'll jump into Exodus uh, here later this, uh, this current week, this new week. Uh, we're uh, taking a little break from the timeline of Israel to read about Job, and then we'll get back into uh, the, the stream of time there in the book of Exodus. Well, one of the things that we uh, see in the story of Jacob and Joseph and throughout the Bible, really, is that our God works to bring people together. Sin tears people apart from each other. But God works to undo sin and to bring people back together. Our God loves reconciliation. Sin tears people apart from each other. Big sin, small sin, doesn't make any difference. It always breaks down relationships. Let's say there's selfishness in the home. Uh, maybe uh, with your spouse or uh, one sibling toward another or a roommate toward the other roommate. Selfishness breaks down trust and mutual affection. It can, it can really damage, sometimes destroy the relationship. Churches I've known, I've seen churches where one group in the church gets mad at another group, sometimes for good reason, sometimes not. And the church splits apart, and that's not what God wants for his church. So as you, as you think about the various relationships in your life, do you have anyone that you used to be connected with, but that relationship was broken apart? Odds are pretty good that there was sin involved there, right? 
It might have been sin on your side, might have been sin on the other person's side, could have been both. Sometimes there's a relationship that breaks apart when there's no sin but just a misunderstanding, but that's unusual. Usually there's sin involved. So just between you and God, can you name in your heart what sin broke that relationship? Your sin or their sin? Can you name it? And it's okay to mention it to God, even if it's your own. He already knows. For Joseph, in our lesson last week, when we started his story, it was devastatingly obvious what the sin was that broke apart his relationship with his ten older brothers. In Genesis chapter 37, his ten older brothers kidnapped him, threw him into a dry cistern, and left him there to die. And then they changed their minds later and sold him into slavery instead and made a little money off of him. Sin devastates relationships. Just to review from last week, Joseph's ten older brothers hated him for three reasons. One of the twelve brothers altogether, he was their father's favorite. He was the second youngest. The youngest one, Benjamin, was uh, their father's second favorite. Joseph, uh, second reason, Joseph had reported something bad about his brothers to their father. They didn't like that. And then third, Joseph had had two dreams in which his brothers and his family came and bowed down before him as if he, the second youngest, were the greatest in the family. And it's possible that he boasted about those dreams a little too much. It's possible. So that's why his older brothers hated him. So when they saw the opportunity, his ten older brothers kidnapped him, threw him into a dry cistern, and left him to die. But then when they saw a caravan of merchants come along, Judah, the fourth oldest son, fourth oldest brother, suggested that instead of killing Joseph, they should just sell him as a slave. And so they did. Made a little money. And we looked at the rest of Joseph's story Last week, how God was with Joseph and Joseph advanced and became powerful in the home of his Egyptian master, but then his master's wife framed him for a crime he had not committed, and he was thrown into prison, but in prison he advanced again. He was trying to walk with God all this time. God gave him the ability to interpret dreams, and one day Joseph was called upon to interpret a pair of dreams for Pharaoh, the king. Dreams that foretold seven years of plentiful harvests, followed by seven years of famine. Pharaoh was so impressed that he elevated Joseph to be the second highest ruler in Egypt and put him in charge of collecting food in preparation for the seven years of famine. And Joseph was so blessed by God in in this turn of events that his earlier hardships were not a burden to him anymore. They, they, were, they were off of his shoulders. That weight was gone. God had blessed him and enriched his life again. Until one day he ran into his brothers. And that's where we pick up Joseph's story today. If anything was certain about Joseph's story, it was that he would never again have any kind of good relationship with his ten older brothers. It just wasn't going to happen. 
You know, there are, there are just some sins in life that are nearly impossible to forgive. And it seems like kidnapping your younger brother and selling him as a slave should be pretty high on that unforgivable list, right? But God seeks our reconciliation even when we don't. And even when we don't think it's possible. When Romans chapter 5 verse 8 says, While we were still sinners... Christ died for us. Part of what it's saying is that God was working toward reconciliation with us even when we were not. We were still sinners. We were living in defiance of God's rule in our lives. We were not, you know, trying to make things right with God necessarily. But even then, Christ died for us to pay the penalty for our sins with his life in order to bring us to God. And God seems to have been working toward reconciliation in Joseph's life as well, far beyond what Joseph could have imagined probably. Because one day, when the famine had gotten pretty bad in Canaan as well as in Egypt, Joseph's ten older brothers suddenly appeared before him and bowed down before him. Now Joseph was second highest ruler in the land of Egypt. And under Pharaoh's authority, he had charge of the distribution of the grain that they had been saving up during the seven years of plenty. And Joseph's brothers had come to buy grain. Now, they had no idea he was still alive. It had been 21 or so years since they had sold him as a slave. They had no idea what had happened to him. And Joseph was probably dressed like an Egyptian, Probably, you know, had an Egyptian haircut or the shaved bald head that we see in the pictures. Um, He spoke Egyptian. And so they were just bowing down to some Egyptian ruler as far as they knew. But look at chapter 42, Genesis 42 and verse 7. Genesis 42, verse 7. As soon as Joseph saw his brothers, he recognized them. But he pretended to be a stranger. And spoke harshly to them. Where do you come from? He asked. From the land of Canaan, they replied. To buy food. Joseph recognizes them, but they don't recognize him. And, <coughs> excuse me, and he speaks harshly to them. He actually accuses them of being spies who have come to find the weak spots in Egypt's defenses as their conversation goes on. And they insist that they're not. That they were 12 brothers, one of whom is no more, the other of whom, Benjamin, the youngest, stayed home with their aged father. But Joseph pronounces them spies and he throws them into prison for three days. And don't you just love revenge? Isn't it fun? Joseph now can do with his 10 older brothers whatever he wants to do. He's second highest ruler in Egypt. If he imprisons them, if he executes them, Pharaoh's not going to care. Why would that bother Pharaoh? Joseph can do with them anything he wants. But chapter 42, verse 9, says that he remembers his dreams about them. Those dreams in which they bowed down to him. Dreams from 21 or so years earlier. Now those dreams have just come true. Which to Joseph has to mean one thing. God knew in advance this was going to happen, and now God God has brought these events about. God is behind these events. 
And Joseph has always been careful to walk with God. And so after three days, he brings the ten brothers out of the prison. And look at what he does with them. Chapter 42, verse 18. On the third day, Joseph said to them, Do this and you will live, for I fear God. If you are honest men, let one of your brothers stay here in prison while the rest of you go and take grain back for your starving households. But you must bring your youngest brother to me so that your words may be verified and that you may not die. This they proceeded to do. They said to one another, Surely we are being punished because of our brother. We saw how distressed he was when he pleaded with us for his life, but we would not listen. That's why this distress has come on us. Reuben replied, Didn't I tell you not to sin against the boy? But you wouldn't listen. Now we must give an accounting for his blood. They did not realize that Joseph could understand them since he was using an interpreter. He turned away from them and began to weep, but then came back and spoke to them again. He had Simeon taken from them and bound before their eyes. On the surface, it looks, like for, it looks at first like Joseph is just being mean to his brothers. He's just messing with them. He's just getting a little revenge. Toss him in prison for a few days, see what happens then. And who could blame him, right? Whatever he wants to do to them, he can do it. He can get away with it. They deserve it. But actually, ever since being sold into slavery 21 years earlier, Joseph has been a godly man. And now he's had three days here to think about what he should do with his brothers. In fact, I wonder if the reason he kept him in prison for three days was so he could pray and ask God, what do I do? He could simply give them grain and send them back home, do them no harm, and they would never know it was him whom they had encountered. They would never know. But our God always works toward reconciliation, and so do his people. And so Joseph takes the harder route. He comes up with a plan, and he sets it in motion. He does let the brothers take grain home to their families. And he frees nine of his ten older brothers, but he keeps one, Simeon, who's the second oldest. He keeps him in prison. And he's holding him until the other brothers bring back their youngest brother to prove, supposedly, that they're not spies. And when they bring back the youngest, his name is Benjamin, when they bring back Benjamin, then... then Joseph will presumably know that they're not spies, and then he'll set Simeon free and so forth. So that's, that's what they think is going on. But the key here is that Joseph wants to see how they will treat Benjamin now that Benjamin is their father's favorite. What will they do with Benjamin? He could just kill them. He could send them away empty-handed, but he doesn't. He sends them with grain, and he puts in place a plan, and enacts it. And in the course of this conversation, he hears his brothers talking together in Hebrew, not knowing he understands them because he's speaking through an interpreter. And he hears them confess to each other what they did to him all those years earlier and express regret over it. 
They think that God is paying them back for what they did to Joseph. They have not forgotten what they did, and they feel guilty. And that touches Joseph's heart. And he leaves the room to weep. On January 27th, 2019, almost exactly three years ago, I preached on this same text and suggested that there are two kinds of forgiveness that we see here in this text and that we encounter in our lives every day. First is the kind that depends only on us when someone has hurt us. So there's a, there's a kind of forgiveness that is just the decision that we make not to hate the other person. And, not, and to not wish them ill, but to desire good for them. We decide not to hold what they've done against them. And Joseph can do that all by himself. He can, he can grant that forgiveness all by himself. He's forgiven his brothers enough that he has no interest in doing them harm. And so this is when someone hurts you and you decide you will not hold it against them, even though they deserve it. The second kind of forgiveness is the kind that produces reconciliation. This one's harder. With this kind of forgiveness, you stand ready to receive the other person and rebuild your relationship with them if they regret what they did to you and are willing to be reconciled. So this is the mother whose 20-year-old daughter robbed her and then ran off with her boyfriend left mom behind, but mom still loves her and would let her come back home if the daughter started living right, if she made the changes she needs to make in her life, if mom could see she was sorry, mom would let her come back home. Mom still loves her. This is the the father in Jesus' story of the prodigal son who watched to see if someday his son would come back home. And when he saw his son coming from a distance, he ran to greet him and he welcomed him with open arms and held a celebration. Now, Joseph cannot do this kind of forgiveness by himself. He can do his part. So for his part, he can forgive, but he has to wait and see if his brothers have truly changed before he can uh, extend an opportunity for reconciliation. So the offended wife has to find out if her husband who wants to return to her will be faithful. And the mother has to have some confidence that her daughter will not rob her and run away again. This second kind of forgiveness depends on us, but it also depends on the other person too, on whether their heart has changed. And so Joseph needs to find out if his brother's hearts have changed. Now he knows, and they don't, that the famine will go on several more years. They're going to have to come back again to get more food from, for their family. So he, he knows that they'll be back. And so he requires them, if they want to come back and get more food, to bring Benjamin, the youngest brother, their father's favorite now, with them next time they come. And he holds Simeon in custody until then. They go back home. They talk with their father, Jacob, about this. Jacob refuses to let Benjamin go at first. He's already lost his favorite son, Joseph. He doesn't want to lose his new favorite son, Benjamin, now. But after some months, maybe a year, their very large family is running out of food. All these these 11 sons, they have families and children of their own. 
Those kids eat a lot of food. Jacob has to give in and send them back to Egypt to get more grain. So the older brothers with Benjamin now return the several weeks hike to Egypt to buy more grain. And when Joseph hears they've returned, he arranges for them to have lunch at his house, which is definitely not normal for Egyptian rulers to do. And so the brothers are naturally confused and terrified. They don't know why Joseph is inviting them into his home. They think he might enslave them, capture them there, hold them as slaves. But Simeon is returned to them. That's a good sign. And so they go to Joseph's house. And let's pick up the story in Genesis 43 and verse 26. Genesis 43, 26. When Joseph came home, they presented to him the gifts they had brought into the house, and they bowed down before him to the ground. He asked them how they were, and they said, and, and then he said, How is your aged father you told me about? Is he still living? They replied, Your servant, our father, is still alive and well. And they bowed down, prostrating themselves before him. As he looked about and saw his brother Benjamin, his own mother's son, he asked, Is this your youngest brother, the one you told me about? And he said, God be gracious to you, my son. Deeply moved at the sight of his brother, Joseph hurried out and looked for a place to weep. He went into his private room and wept there. The brothers come before Joseph, bow down before him again, again fulfilling the dreams that Joseph had had all those years earlier. He asks about their aged father because he wants to know how his dad is doing. He sees Benjamin, who is his only full brother. The other ten brothers are all half-brothers to Joseph. And he blesses Benjamin, but then the emotion of seeing his little brother again overwhelms him. And he leaves to weep for a few minutes. Isn't it strange how you can still feel deep love for people who hurt you? Joseph still loves his brothers. He doesn't mistreat them at all. He loves them. He's deeply moved at the sight of his brother Benjamin. But there's still that one thing Joseph has to know before reconciliation can become possible. Yes, they regret selling him into slavery but have they really changed? And so here comes the big test. Joseph feeds them all there at his house. He gives Benjamin five times as much food as he gives to any of the other brothers. And then he sells them grain and sends them home, all 11. But in the background, he frames Benjamin. He has his steward put his silver cup in Benjamin's sack of grain so that he can accuse Benjamin of stealing it. And when Benjamin is caught with it, the other brothers can't believe it. Benjamin can't either. He knows he's innocent, but there it is. The evidence is right there. And Joseph sentences Benjamin to slavery and lets everyone else go free. And so here's the test. What will the other 10 brothers do? Do they hate Benjamin like they hated Joseph? Will they be glad to be rid of him? Will they let, them, let Benjamin go into slavery like they sent Joseph into slavery? Or have they changed? It was Judah, the fourth oldest son, who had been so hard-hearted toward Joseph that he had suggested 
those 22 now or so years earlier that they sell Joseph as a slave. It had been Judah's idea. Now Judah speaks up, pours out his heart, and pleads on behalf of Benjamin. Listen to his words in chapter 44. Let's start in verse 18. Then Judah went up to him, up to Joseph, and said, Pardon your servant, my Lord. Let me speak a word to my Lord. Do not be angry with your servant, though you are equal to Pharaoh himself. My Lord asked his servants, Do you have a father or a brother? And we answered, We have an aged father, and there is a young son born to him in his old age. His brother is dead, and he is the only one of his mother's sons left, and his father loves him. Then you said to your servants, Bring him down to me so I can see him for myself. And we said to my Lord, The boy cannot leave his father. If he leaves him, his father will die. But you told your servants, Unless your youngest brother comes down with you, you will not see my face again. When we went back to your servant, my father, we told him what my Lord had said. Then our father said, Go back and buy a little more food. But we said, we cannot go down. Only if our youngest brother is with us will we go. We cannot see the man's face unless our youngest brother is with us. Your servant, my father, said to us, you know that my wife bore me two sons. One of them went away from me, and I said, he has surely been torn to pieces, and I have not seen him since. If you take this one from me too, and harm comes to him, you will bring my gray head down to the grave in misery." So now if the boy is not with us when I go back to your servant, my father, and if my father, whose life is closely bound up with the boy's life, sees that the boy isn't there, he will die. Your servants will bring the gray head of our father down to the grave in sorrow. Your servant guaranteed the boy's safety to my father. I said, if I do not bring him back to you, I will bear the blame before you, my father, all my life. Now then, Please let your servant remain here as my, as my Lord's slave in place of the boy, and let the boy return with his brothers. How can I go back to my father if the boy is not with me? No, do not let me see the misery that would come on my father. Joseph needs to know whether his brother's hearts have changed. And here Judah who had been the first to want to sell Joseph into slavery, now pleads for Benjamin's life and even offers to take Benjamin's place as Joseph's slave, which is a wonderful irony in the story. Here the same brother who sold Joseph into slavery now unknowingly offers to become Joseph's slave. And 22 years earlier, when Judah had suggested they sell Joseph, He had given no thought to what that would do to their father, Jacob. Hadn't thought about dad at all. But now his whole appeal to Joseph is wrapped around how losing Benjamin would kill their father. In fact, he mentions their father 14 times as he speaks to Joseph. Judah's heart that used to be hard is now soft toward Benjamin and toward their father. He really has changed. And this is what Joseph needed to hear. Because reconciliation is possible if we forgive those who hurt us like God forgives us in Christ when we hurt him. And if they repent of what they did to us and demonstrate a change of heart, 
then we can work with them and real reconciliation is possible. Joseph found out on the brothers' first visit that they regretted what they had done to him. For 21 years, he had never known how they felt about it. Now he knows they regret it. On their second visit, he sees that Judah's heart has changed completely. The brother who sold him was now willing to sell himself to save Benjamin. And so Joseph couldn't wait any longer. So listen to what he says, chapter 45 and verse 1. Then Joseph could no longer control himself before all his attendants. And he cried out, have everyone leave my presence. So there was no one with Joseph when he made himself known to his brothers. And he wept so loudly that the Egyptians heard him and Pharaoh's household heard about it. Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Is my father still living? But his brothers were not able to answer him because they were terrified at his presence. Then Joseph said to his brothers, come close to me. When they had done so, he said, I am your brother Joseph, the one you sold into Egypt. And now do not be distressed and do not be angry with yourselves for selling me here because it was to save lives that God, is, that God sent me ahead of you. For two years now there has been famine in the land and for the next five years there will be no plowing and reaping. But God sent me ahead of you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. So then it was not you who sent me here, but God. He made me father to Pharaoh, lord of his entire household, and ruler of all Egypt. Now hurry back to my father and say to him, this is what your son Joseph says. God has made me lord of all Egypt. Come down to me. Don't delay. You shall live in the region of Goshen and be near me. You, your children and grandchildren, your flocks and herds and all you have, I will provide for you there because five years of famine are still to come. Otherwise, you and your household and all who belong to you will become destitute. You can see for yourselves, and so can my brother Benjamin, that it really is I who am speaking to you. Tell my father about all the honor accorded me in Egypt and about everything you have seen, and bring my father down here quickly. Then he threw his arms around his brother Benjamin and wept, and Benjamin embraced him, weeping. And he kissed all his brothers and wept over them. Afterward, his brothers talked with him. Sometimes when we've been hurt, especially if we've been hurt deeply, it's so hard to imagine that reconciliation will ever be possible. But our God never stops trying. He's always working on reconciling us to him, reconciling us to each other. Here, unbelievably, after 22 long years, after two decades of not knowing whether his brothers regretted what they had done or not, of not knowing if they hated Benjamin too, of not knowing whether his father was even still alive, Joseph is reunited with his brothers. And did you catch their initial reaction? Verse 3 says, they were terrified. Of course they were. It says they were terrified at his presence. Because there he was, right in front of them. The brother they had sold into slavery. Second highest ruler of Egypt. And he could still have done to them anything he wanted to. But Joseph had the heart of God. 
And people with the heart of God always work toward reconciliation. Is it scary? Yes, it often is. It probably was for Joseph. It certainly was for his ten brothers when they realized who he was. Is it awkward? It often is. Can you imagine the conversations that Joseph's brothers had with him that day? Awkward. I've known over the years two or three churches that went through splits. One side hurt the other side. The other side hurt the first side too. But then after some time, they came back together again. And their story turned out well. There were awkward moments for sure as they reached out to each other. But both sides, it turned out, had the heart of God. And they regretted hurting each other. And they forgave each other. And they received each other warmly. Reconciliation like that honors God. It's a beautiful thing. I've even seen spouses, man or woman, whose partner was unfaithful but repented, and both sides did the hard, hard, awkward, scary work of repenting and forgiving and learning how to love again. When we turn away from our sin against God or against another person and seek reconciliation, that honors God. What Joseph did honored God. When we open ourselves to reconciliation and watch to see if the other person is willing, when we pray that God would bring about some way for us to be reconciled, that honors God, even if the other person never comes around. It honors God because for our part, we're doing what God would do. When they do come around and we forgive, that honors God because he forgives us too. If Joseph had never revealed himself to his brothers, we could understand why. But when you know that God is present and active in your life, it's easier, it's actually possible to forgive and to reconcile. Joseph told his brothers in verse 5, And now do not be distressed and do not be angry with yourselves for selling me here, because it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. They had done evil, but God had used it for good. Joseph saw that. He saw God at work in his life, even in his sufferings, and it helped him forgive and seek reconciliation. And because he did, the family of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob was reunified. It got the food it needed to survive. And God was honored in their family, which later grew to become the nation of Israel. And for us, we can't always see how God might turn the harm someone did us into good, but we know how much God loves us because he reconciles us to himself through Jesus and forgives our sins as we come to him. And he calls us to do for others what he does for us. And so as we close, I'd like you to, just between yourself and God, just between you and God, think of a relationship in your life that's been broken, or that's been estranged. Maybe it's someone who hurt you, and it broke the relationship. Maybe you sinned against them. Our God works to bring people together. Our God works toward reconciliation. But reconciliation requires repentance and forgiveness. It requires two people who seek it.
We are people who love God and who are grateful that Jesus died for us. We are people who want to honor God in everything that we do. Is there something you can do in that broken relationship to take a step toward reconciliation? Can you forgive? Can you make a step toward forgiving? Even if the heart of the person who hurt you never changes, you can still, for your part, forgive. You might not be able to reconcile because for that they have to want to reconcile too. But for your part, you can forgive. You can ask God to bless and help them. You can decide to intend them no harm. If you hurt that other person, whether they hurt you or not, if you hurt them, can you go to them and begin to make things right? I know that's, that's hard. I know it's always awkward. But awkward reconciliation is still reconciliation. Just as God calls us to a new relationship of peace with him, so he also calls us to work toward peace with one another. What can you do to make a step toward reconciliation with someone this week? May God bless you as you do it. May he watch over you this week. Let's pray together. God, our Father, thank you for the story of Joseph, the reconciliation that came about between him and his brothers, him and his family. Lord God, we see in that story your heart for reconciliation between people who have been torn apart. And we know through Jesus how much you desire reconciliation with us, that we who have sinned against you, broke relationship with you, uh, turned away from your commands and, and from your holiness and went our own way, we see how much you want us back because you gave Jesus life on the cross to win us back to you. We thank you for that. We pray, Lord, that you would strengthen us and help us that we would have hearts to seek reconciliation. Lord, for each of us, if there's someone this week that, to whom, uh, with whom we can be reconciled or, or with whom we can make a step toward reconciliation, please bless us in that process. Bring us back together, dear God, that in the name of Jesus we may have great joy and a great hope, better relationships and strength through those so that people might see your work in our lives and come to honor you. We thank you, Father, for your church. We ask that you bless it. We thank you for each person here today and ask that you bless us and watch over us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.